people are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 446. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And we're joined by one of our listeners this week, Jared. Hey, Jared. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm all right. It's early in the morning, but I'm up and I'm ready. It's not early. It's 11 a.m. Come on. On a Sunday, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm also an East Coaster, and this is a little early for me, but... Well, if it makes you both feel better, it's (laughs) 8 o'clock in the morning in California. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jared, uh, you're one of our supporters over at patreon.com slash millennial. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I live in North Carolina. Uh, I've been married uh, to Sam, who you guys called a few weeks ago, um, <laughs> for two years now. Uh, I work for probation parole, and I'm also working on a uh, master's degree in public administration. Awesome. So we're actually going to talk to you about a couple of those things in a little bit, because you also just bought a home. Yes. Ooh, congrats. Cool. Thank you. I love this house. It's it's everything we wanted. Oh, that's awesome. You're you're the happy couple at the end of House Hunters. We are the happy <laughs> couple. <laughs> I could podcast in this room when Millennial calls me one day. <laughs> that was exactly how I as I thought so I told my realtor, we need a room that we can do podcasts in. That's a must. <laughs> And you all, it sounds like you have a very interesting job as well. I certainly don't know anybody who's a, a probation or parole officer. So looking forward to talking to you about that um, as well in just a little bit. I wanted to start the show with a question for everybody. Is everybody still using those screen time limits on their phones? No. I never started. <laughs> <laughs> but Laura... You, you started and then didn't have it anymore, or, or what? What happened? Yeah, I just stopped caring. So it has not changed the way that I use my phone at all. Oh, even the app <laughs> limits? Yeah, I just stopped using it. I just yeah. I because I, I would ignore it. It would come up and right. be like, "Hey, you've reached your limit." And I was like, "Cool, I'm going to go back in now." <laughs> that has been the problem with me. So I set an hour limit limit on the social media apps. And then I'd hit that hour timer, and I would just keep hitting that ignore for 15 minutes reminder. I was like, well, this is just getting annoying. So I turned it off. But then I was like, well, fuck. I actually hate not knowing how much time I'm spending in my social media apps. I like having that limit. So I ended up turning it back on. So I'm in the middle of like a love-hate relationship with that feature right now. I like being stopped because I don't think it's healthy to spend so much time in the social media apps. But something else that I noticed, which was kind of funny, um, the app limits are set by category. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that within the social networking category is Apple's Find My Friends app. Why would what? you need a limit on the Find My Friends app? Like, that's an app where you just see, like, where your mom is right now or where your loved one is or something. That does not qualify as social media. If somebody is spending too much time in that (laughs) app, they have another problem that they need to take care of. You're a stalker. (laughs) And I also have a uh, Laura's Rage of the Week. Remember, Laura, you started the segment Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. I have a Rage of the Week. Um, Restaurants that spam neighborhoods with fucking flyers everywhere. If you live in a city, you probably know what I'm talking about when, when... Restaurants come around, they hire somebody to go put flyers in the door jams of every single apartment and in the front gates and all that shit. Somebody did that here recently, and it started raining a lot as well. They put the flyers everywhere. It started raining, so these pieces of paper started disintegrating. My entire fucking block was just polluted with all these flyers. Fuck these businesses who promote themselves with these flyers that they that they throw everywhere because they just end up on the street so i'm starting a new policy anytime i see these flyers anywhere from any business i am taking a picture of it i'm going on their yelp and google maps pages and i'm leaving one star reviews 
and saying, if you care about the environment, do not eat here. (laughs) (laughs) Savage. I'm just sick of this shit. Yeah. I don't really have this in my neighborhood. Do you know what it bothers me is when they leave them on my car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because usually, for the most part, I'm not going to see them until I'm on the the highway. And then I am just freaking out that it's going to fly up and get stuck right in my line of vision. And I will then crash and die. And now for a quick word from our first sponsor of the week, ZipRecruiter. You know, what's not smart trashing a neighborhood with endless flyers. You know what else is not smart using social media for hours a day. But you know what is smart going to ZipRecruiter.com slash millennial to hire the right person for your job. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, education, and experience, and actively invites them to apply for your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash millennial. If you love this show, show your support to it and ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash millennial. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash millennial. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. All right. So, Jared, uh, it's time for you to shine now. We want to hear what's been going on in your life because uh, you've got lots of interesting things going on right now. Uh, so first of all, you brought bought a home recently. When did you do that? So we bought the house in June of this year. We closed on it in June, but we didn't actually move into the house until uh, about mid-August because the apart the the lease on the apartment we were living in didn't expire until August. So we took those two months to paint the inside, to uh, get clothes and furniture slowly moved in, and then. Uh, about mid-August is when uh, Sam had to uh, left for camp uh, to work at a, a camp for about a week. And so I decided, well, I'm going to be living alone. May as well live alone in the house I just purchased. So uh, I grabbed a bunch of clothes and some things I would need and moved in and uh, been here since. What, what do you wish someone had told you about home ownership before you got into it? Uh, maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> Because so we actually, uh, uh, I wish I knew a little bit more about plumbing uh, when mm. we were moving in. Because what happened? So during the hur- first hurricane, uh, Florence, uh, this year, you know, we must have been the only ha- one of the few houses in America that had water damage that did not get caused by the hurricane. We're so it's Saturday morning and we're sitting downstairs, and all of a sudden it sounds like the dishwasher is starting. And me and Sam started looking at each other because it's Saturday morning and I know I didn't start any dishes and I know Sam doesn't do any cleaning before noon. So I go upstairs to see what's happening and from my kitchen cabinets under the sink, waterfalls of steaming hot water are pouring out onto my kitchen floor. Oh my God. Oh my God. Did you just scream? (laughs) I lost my damn mind. I rush over, (laughs) slip and bust my butt and then I open the cabinets (laughs) And I get a face full of hot water. And this is unregulated hot water. So it's not like, oh, it's just like a cup of coffee hot. Like, no, this is straight from the boiler. I burn my my hands trying to find the leak. Hot water. That is awful. So we had no choice but to wait. Because that's what the, the, it was the hot water uh, feed that popped or whatever had happened to it. So I couldn't get in there until all the hot water from the, uh, from the reservoir was gone. So we were just on damage control. And so we put a like a dam of towels between the kitchen floor, which is stone tile, and the living room, which is carpet. So we tried to keep it off the carpet, but there's a vent on our kitchen floor. So the water got into the vent, got into the sub ceiling that is downstairs, and it started to after you know everything started to calm down, it was leaking all that water. And then about an hour thinking, okay, everything's calmed down. We're cleaning up. It's going to be all right. I hear a loud bang from downstairs. Sam's crying out for me. I'm like, oh, God, now what? The house is on fire now. That's what. That's what's happening. I run down, and now there's a giant hole in my ceiling. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> it so was, how, oh. how, 
how long did it take for you to fix all this? And I imagine it, it was very expensive. Well, actually, and that's, that's going to be my advice to every homeowner is no matter what, you, I mean, most uh, mortgages you can't get without home insurance, make sure you get good home insurance. Because thankfully, so we have Geico for our home insurance. And it took maybe, so that whole day after the water stopped boiling, I finally could get into the sink. I saw what had happened. It was a PVC pipe that was feeding into, uh, feeding the hot water up. And it, it, it didn't break. It was some Mickey Mouse shit that just, it popped right out. So my mm. solve was just to grab the pipe and shove it back into the, into the feed hole. And that solved it. Oh, wow. I was so oh mad gosh. because it looked like <laughs> such cheap shit put together. When I finally yeah. stopped and looked at it, I was like, oh, that's why it broke because it was poorly put together. So yeah. <laughs> once that was once that was solved, and the check covered the whole cost. So we didn't pay anything out of pocket and we actually walked away with a little extra. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Well, that's good. That whole story just gave me heart palpitations the entire time you were telling it. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's moral of the story, check your pipes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of different inspections you can get when you're purchasing a home. How long were you saving for your home? Was this like a long-term goal or Oh my gosh. What? Uh, we were saving for probably hard we were probably properly saving for about 2 years um to to for the down payment right and then did it end up being so did the mortgage end up being cheaper than the rent you were paying no uh it was actually a little bit more plus hoa fees so we live in a um it's a townhouse um yeah but it only shares one wall and it barely shares that wall and it's a two-story townhouse so it feels like it's on its own and we have our own space uh but we do have uh, a homeowners association so yeah uh, we're paying a good bit more than we were at the apartment but we've got all this space and we've got you know the the insurance and we don't have to maintain the outside so the hoa takes right. care of everything on the outside and everything inside is mine and you own it and nobody can ever raise your rent on you exactly right. and you're p- putting that money into a mortgage you're not really losing the money you're just building wealth exactly so I'm in the same boat as you. I, I, I'm paying more than I was renting, but for all the benefits of home ownership, it's totally worth it. So you are also a pr- probation parole officer. How did you get into that? I first wanted to be a crime scene investigator, but that required a chemistry degree, and I've never been successful at math. So Why did you want to be a crime scene in- investigator? Did you love CSI on CBS? I really did. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the truth? That's the dead truth. <laughs> I wow, love so Las cool. Vegas. I want to be that. I love CSI Las Vegas. I really got into it. Um, but I had to take a criminal justice course. Uh, and so when I failed at the chemistry, but I was succeeding at the criminal justice aspect of it. Um, because my first, prof- my first professor, I think, is what got me hooked into criminal justice. He walks in. He writes a seven-digit number, uh, seven-digit number on the board, and says, "Okay, everybody, what's this number?" And only one person got it right because he's had his corrections class uh, or taken a corrections class before. And he said, "Well, that's a, a convict identification number." And he said, "Yeah, this is my convict identification number." The professor had done five years in the federal penitentiary for marijuana trafficking. Wow! Whoa. Yeah, and he was the greatest. Uh, uh, lecturer I've ever had. He he got me immediately hooked into the field. So when the chemistry fell through, I was like, well, I definitely still enjoy learning about criminal justice. So I switched it to political science. And uh, after I graduated, I submitted my application to the probation department. And then two years later, they finally called. Um <laughs> Uh, because the way that they do their application process is you go into a pool and uh, then they just start pulling names randomly from that pool. And I guess it just took two years for them to uh, finally draw my name. Oh, that's interesting. You won the lottery. I Congratulations. Really did. <laughs> 
So, like, with probation officers and parole officers, they're they're kind of, <laughs> this feels funny to say, but mainstream right now because of Orange is the New Black on Netflix, uh-huh. which is ending soon. Do you have any crazy Orange is the New Black type drama <laughs> go down <laughs> at where you work? Oh, man. So, I really, this was the, of all the things uh, uh, to talk about, this was the one where I really had to narrow it down because I really do have a million stories. But I decided yeah, to go with my two funniest. So, uh, uh, first story is this guy is this kid who uh, I told to come in for a drug screen, and uh, he was late. So he was supposed to be in at eleven, and he called saying I can't get there before two. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I got time for, to go to lunch. So I run down to the down the street to get a sandwich, and then I get a call from my chief saying, "Hey, Jay, you need to get back here." I'm like, "Why? Your guy's here." So, but he's just here for a screen. I don't need to come back right now. Like, no, you need to come back. Something happened. So I come back, and he's sitting in uh, the office with my chief and like three other officers, and he's sitting there. Uh, um, and I ask, well, "What's going on?" Well, this dude had uh, he got there early like probably like 30 minutes after i left and he had to he really had to pee well he didn't think to ask for the key to the bathroom he just decided that he had a a a mountain dew bottle it was empty and there was nobody else in the lobby so he decided he was just going to use the bathroom in his mountain dew bottle (laughs) And unfortunately, (laughs) that exact moment, a female officer was walking out into the lobby and saw him doing this. Oh, Oh, my God. (laughs) And it took all of 20 minutes to kind of explain to him and get him to understand, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't have whipped my dick out in the middle of the lobby. Yeah, sounds like a stupid criminal. I can see why he might have might have ended up there. Yeah. Question question for you though. Were you able to use that as his sample for the mm. drug screen? <laughs> no. I was not. <laughs> and what's funnier actually, what's really the, the the kicker is that that was the better scenario for him. And I'll explain why. So if he had walked into the bathroom, so say he got away with that, but didn't throw away the bottle. If he had walked into the drug screen room, set that on the table, and I see that it's urine, there's no way I'm going to believe that he just did use the bathroom in that bottle. And he would have gone to jail for <laughs> attempting to defraud a drug screen. There's oh, my God. There would have been, And that would have been the end of his, like, that's a new charge. Like, that's not even a, oh, well, you, like, tested positive, like, you get arrested and that's a new charge uh, and yeah. that can revoke your probation. So he, he ended up just doing uh, what's called a delegated authority uh, quick dip, which is two to three days in jail. Because uh, another chief was demanding that we call PD and charge him with a sex offense. And I was like, no, we, we, we don't mm. need to do that. Um, yeah. That's, he's dumb, but he's not a sex offender. We don't, we don't need to take it to that level. So, huh. Okay, you got lucky by chance. And what's your fake name story? So <laughs> this this is a kicker. So uh, the the guy, this guy came into my office after um, he had been charged with resisting public officer, and he was convicted of that charge like three days later, which I was like the quickest turnaround I'd ever seen. So I had to do a violation report. He comes in and I hand it to him, and uh, he's like, "What this is? What is this for?" It's like, "Well, you got charged with resisting public officer, and then you were convicted of it. We got to go to court now." Like, but that's not what happened. Let me tell you what happened. So he was driving with a buddy of his, and his buddy in the back was drinking a beer. He gets pulled over, and uh, the cop walks up to the door and asks him, "You know, what's your name?" I don't want to give it. Well, but uh, <laughs> obviously that doesn't satisfy the officer. So he keeps talking to him and keeps asking for his name, and he finally does give a name. He gives a buddy's name, not the one in the car, just some other buddy he knows. Great. And, yeah. <laughs> so the cop this takes is gonna that. going to go well. Oh, <laughs> So he takes that name. He goes back to the patrol car. And my guy's sitting there thinking, you know what? That was wrong. I'm going to tell the cop that that wasn't my name. And I'm going to give him my real name when he comes back. So the cop comes back and he says, sir, step out the car. Oh, my God. (laughs) He arrests him on the spot. The guy's name that he gave had a warrant for his arrest for drug possession. 
Oh, oh my God. God. What now, an idiot. Now you think, you would think <laughs> at that moment, you would get on your hands and knees, pray to every deity on the sun saying, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. That was my, that wasn't my name. My name is John Smith. I'm sorry. I lied. He doesn't say a word. They get all the way to the jail and he's put in front of a magistrate. Doesn't say anything. The magistrate has set his bond. He's been processed and he's in a holding cell waiting to be taken back. Still doesn't say anything. It's three hours later <laughs> that a deputy walks up to him with his picture and his name and says, this isn't you, is it? No, sir, it's not. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, if I was in that scenario, I probably would have, you know, and, and I felt like I needed to give a fake name, which I never would. But if I did, I would consider... Hmm, is this person whose name I'm about to use, is there any chance that they might be wanted by police? <laughs> and if there's any chance, I would not give them that name. You would think. That's crazy. I, he finished his story, and I just looked at him, and I was like, dude, at what point in that story did you think you were going to look any smarter than me? <laughs> right. Oh. Wow. There's a lot of crazy people out there. Yep. Yeah, those are two. Should, those are my funny stories. I have unfortunately more sad ones than funny ones, but those are the ones yeah. that uh, just kind of put a smile on my face every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. So, what do you think is the greatest misconception or the worst stereotype about criminal justice or those caught in it? So, the biggest. So, anytime I'm walking around, like in a store or at a restaurant, and I've got something on me that says probation. The most common joke that people want to make is, oh, I've never been on probation. You don't have to worry about me. The people on probation are not bad people. There's 5% of people on probation, uh, in my experience, that they're the people that, you know, like I was, that give you the stories that I was just talking about. They're the kind of individuals that just, they don't think five minutes in front of their face. Then you have 5% of people that are genuinely public safety risks. I, I've got, at least, I've got, I have two heroin dealers, uh, convicted heroin dealers on, and one of them is currently facing charges for new trafficking heroin charges. So kind of hard to argue that they, that they're good people when they're, uh, you know, peddling right. uh, part of the opiate epidemic. And then the other 90% are people that have made bad choices or been in desperate situations that they just need a little help. They need somebody to believe in them, and they need to be shown the right path. Well, you just taught me something. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the most unfair thing about our system? Uh, it, well, we've criminalized addiction, um, and we don't really look beyond uh, the person. We don't really look at that person and think, what's the best situation to put them in? Because... Uh, there are some people that just probation's not going to help them. Uh, not to say that there's anything wrong with them or they're less than. It's that some people just aren't going to do well on supervision. I know I probably wouldn't do well on supervision. Um, uh, there's a lot of officers that wouldn't do well on supervision either. It's it's a personality thing. And if you're not on, if your charge isn't something very serious, then there's not a lot of uh, point to put a lot of resources into uh, supervising and drug testing and collecting supervision fees from that individual. It's actually $40 a month to be on probation more often than not. Um, huh. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. And that's on top of the possible court costs, community service fee, uh, the cost for substance abuse assessments and treatment if that's something that happens. And all for somebody who might have just stolen an Xbox from a Walmart. I mean, either give that person unsupervised probation and community service or uh, a jail sentence of like two to three days. I mean, I've had people on probation for two years that had a jail sentence hanging over their head of 10 days. And those, those are going to be the individuals that are the most obstinate to be supervised because they see that this is nonsense. Why am I going to be on probation for a year, two years, when I just have 10 days hanging over, he- over my head, I could take a week off from work and get it done. And, and final question for you on this. If you were given free reign to rewrite the system, what kind of reforms would you implement? I would immediately eliminate structured sentencing and men- mandatory minimums. 
that's that just has to go because like i said crim- they, we've criminalized addiction so people are spending more time in jail than they are getting treatment and structured sentencing forces us to forces judges to you know if somebody gets a breaking and entering charge i had a kid on for breaking and entering a motor vehicle and uh larceny misdemeanor larceny and he was you know the sentence he had a, there was a box with his sentence and that's what the judge had to give him but the kid was breaking into a car not to steal the car. He was breaking into the car so he'd have somewhere to sleep that night. He's 17, oh. and his parents didn't want anything to do with him. So they kept kicking him out and telling him to leave. And he stole the money that was in that car so he could buy food because he was hungry. Mm. But instead of, being, instead of looking at his situation and saying, you know what? You need a social worker. You need help. So, you know, we're going to do that. They sentenced him to felony uh probation and because they didn't take into account the fact that this kid has no structure at all no uh good housing situation he didn't he he wasn't able to successfully complete probation i mean he he was beaten before he even got a chance to start yeah that's one of your sad stories yeah (laughs) yeah seriously and i mean you know charging somebody like that with a felony it kind of like drags them several hundred feet away from the starting line, right? Like- Absolutely. That's the, <laughs> I've had people on that, you know, they try every month, they come in with new applications that they've completed, but because of that one felony on their record for something that they either did to survive or that was not a public safety issue, like you can get a felony for cashing a bad check that's over $1,000. I had a guy, he, he was on for obtaining property by false pretenses. It's a felony in this state. And it was because he cashed a, a check. He tried to cash a check in good faith from somebody that was for $5,000. And that was his restitution. He had to pay back to the courts or to that business the $5,000. Hmm. Um, so it, it sets people up to continually be in the system, to continually be hammered with these moving goalposts. Yeah. Well, it's good that we have people like you in the system I mean, not in in the system, <laughs> but working this working this job to uh, you know with progressive views. All right, well, thanks for sharing all that, Jared. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a cool job. It's I mean, it's just very interesting. I've never spoken to any anyone before in this profession, so it's interesting to hear your thoughts on all of it. I love it. It's a hard job, but I do love my job. We're about to do some news, but what you're hearing in this podcast is only part of what we're talking about today. In After Dark, we're talking about side hustles to help pay for the holiday season, and we ask patrons to share theirs to inspire us. Plus, we'll be trying out a mini episode of Hype Podcast. Pam used to do an entertainment-focused show on uh, Hypeable, and we're going to try kind of bringing that over in like a mini format to Millennial, just as a test. So we'll be talking about some entertainment news stories in After Dark today. You can listen to After Dark as well as our pre-show chat, hashing it out through your favorite podcasting app. Instructions are over at patreon.com slash millennial. And by the way, hashing it out and After Dark are available to $2 patrons this week as well because it is the first episode of the month. Normally, it's just for $5 patrons and above. So, Laura, uh, let's talk about some news. Yeah, so I love that we were just talking about criminal justice and Robert Mueller, um, because things really started heating up in Mueller's investigation over the last week. The Guardian reported that Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort secretly met with Julian Assange in 2013-2015 and in 2016 during Trump's final push for the White House. The Guardian's source alleges that the intention behind the March 2016 meeting was to discuss leaking the DNC and John Podesta emails that Julian Assange and WikiLeaks obtained from Russia. Uh, Worth a throwback mention here are the 12 Russian operatives that Mueller indicted last year. These were the agents behind the hacking of the DNC. Um, And if this story is true, it means that those agents gave the emails to Assange, who then met with Manafort about the possibility of leaking those emails in order to help Trump win the election. 
And even as I read the Guardian's report and put together notes on this, it all felt super paranoid, except it could very well explain Roger Stone's quote unquote prediction tweet about emails being leaked a month before it actually happened. Um, So the long and short of it is, if Manafort and Stone told Trump about their collusion when it was happening, then Trump would be guilty of collusion too, which is probably why he's tweeting about uh, how his very obvious ties to Russia pre-presidency were all in the name of business. Right. Can I get y'all's take on this? My take is that I'm still skeptical that we're actually going to get some like major news out of this entire Mueller investigation. There was also a report from Buzzfeed news this week that Trump had uh, promised Vladimir Putin himself, a nice condo in Trump Moscow. Um, I was actually a little more shocked by that, but it does seem like all this is coming together. Um, But, but I'm, I'm coming to a conclusion but I'm still not convinced that we're going to get any major news out of this. I don't know. Am I just burnt out on it? I just, I just, uh, I I think you and America are kind of a little burnt out about this. And that can only be a positive for, you know, Trump's side of things, honestly. Exactly. And I feel like that's the thing that I fear most that we've been talking about this for so long and they haven't made any major moves yet. So this whole idea is becoming normalized. Right. And what that's could, not good. What can Mueller possibly say at this point that would genuinely shock all of us? We're so used to assuming right. that there was collusion at this point that Mueller's report would not be surprising also, at all. I'm not entirely sure that the majority of America understands what collusion means. Yeah. And, and Trump's the Trump, the president, has been teaching us that there's none and even if he did it's not a big deal (laughs) right he's just it's just kind of like oh it's just like it's like this annoying little fly that's you know roaming around your house just swat it away it's fine don't worry about it it's cool but it's not cool right yeah i kind of feel similarly to you andrew in that if this were any other president i would be like oh yeah he's done (laughs) he's done but with trump it's just He's like a Teflon warrior, just like nothing sticks to the guy. So I I don't really know what's going to happen here. Um, I do think that it looks really bad for him. And I think it could ultimately hurt his reelection odds. Which is a a sign of some hope. I don't know, Mm -hmm. Jared, you sounded like you had uh, some doubts there. Uh, I... You know, something that I feel like, you know, a lot of our institutions have been based on tradition rather than hard law. And he's just, and part of it was shame. Part of it is shame. You know, a president's going to try and keep things, you know, a secret, a secret because he doesn't, you know, want to be embarrassed or, you know, a president can be embarrassed, but he can't be embarrassed. He doesn't, he just doesn't have that, whatever it is in his mind or our minds that gives us that feeling of shame, like, oh, no, I did a bad thing. He just doesn't have that. And his followers don't uh, like that he doesn't have that, that he's just, he is who he is, and he's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to live his life and, you know, damn the rest of us uh, mm-hmm. for trying to knock him down. So, I mean, I'm ho- I would like to hope in my heart that, you know, Anybody who voted for him the first time around thinking, well, let's take a chance, will see that, okay, now, you know, he's not what he advertised himself to be. He has not done what he, he set out to do or, uh, and then vote against him. But, you know, I didn't think America was going to vote for him the first time, so... I think one of only the truly shocking things that could happen is if Don Jr. goes to jail or just is in some really deep shit because then it's like, oh, God, the president's son, he's in big trouble. That's the only type of situation where I feel like Americans are going to be really shocked um, by what Mueller has to say. Yeah, but then they're just going to say, well, like, 
you know, Trump supporters are just going to say, well, Don Jr. is not a reflection of his father, even though that's not the case, because his whole family is so deeply embedded in what's happening right now in the Capitol. So I don't know. I just feel like people are so quick to make excuses for the Trump administration. Yeah. And And I'm just kind of waiting to see what their excuse is going to be for all this. Yeah. And I don't think Trump would care if Don Jr. went to jail. I no. Really, no, I really be like don't. Ivanka was always my favorite anyway. Yeah. Yep. Well, she's, she's the hot one. <laughs> he's like, I would fuck Ivanka. So. <laughs> um, but I mean, this he's a mobster. That's what he is. He doesn't give a shit. Um, and that's evidenced by the fact that Trump and Manafort are entered into a joint defense agreement. Um, and I don't know, Jared, if you can maybe shed some more light on this. But uh, as far as I understand... A joint defense agreement basically says that they're going to share resources, information, and strategy because one man's defense is basically going to be the other man's defense. So they need to coordinate and make sure their stories line up. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, so, <laughs> yeah, that's about how that works. And uh, um, it, it, it definitely speaks to them having that kind of mob mentality. Also, Trump can't keep a secret to save his life. <laughs> I feel like he's going to botch this anyway. Yeah. Well, that's why they gave those written answers to make sure he didn't screw anything up. It's also just so funny because up until this point, Trump has been sort of trying to pass on this narrative that he doesn't really know Manafort. Oh, he doesn't know anybody who's in trouble. (laughs) I don't know her. (laughs) The guy just ran his campaign and now they're in this like joint defense agreement together, but they don't really know each other. No. Mm -hmm. Do we think this is going to be wrapped up by the end of the year? I don't think no. so. Yeah, it no. really is dragging on. I agree with Trump on one thing about this. It's taking forever. Well, <laughs> I'm you sure know, Mueller's doing a good job. but So I do have a thought because I've heard that before. You know, oh, my gosh, when are they going to end this investigation? It takes it could take a probation officer like a week or two uh, sometimes to just to verify, like if we're accepting a new case, just to verify that that individual does in fact live at this new residence and that's just verifying Mm -hmm. that somebody lives somewhere so to me uh, an investigation on this scale for uh with the stakes this high i'm not surprised at all that it's taking as long as it is i'm getting exhausted just like everybody else is but i'm kind of like you know yeah this is this is going about the pace i would i was kind of expecting i understand that it it just the weight better be worth it Please. I mean, it's going on for a really long time because there's a lot of good shit to be revealed, right? <laughs> that better be what's happening. <laughs> I think the only way this investigation that America uh, as a whole is going to see 100% him for what he is and then vote accordingly is if he were to be indicted, but then immediately attempt to pardon himself. I think if he pardons himself, that will be what I would like to think that would be what, you know, turns the majority against him. Like, okay, you mm-hmm. you're admitting you did this. That's why you need to pardon yourself. On the first day of Mother <laughs> Miss, my Robert gave to me oh my God. one guilty plea. <laughs> and just one last thing before we move on to some more news. Can we talk about Jerome Corsi? Real quick. So Jerome Corsi, for those who don't know, um, is an associate of Roger Stone's who worked closely with him and who investigators believe was also working with Assange. Um, He denies this, although uh, draft court documents obtained by NBC while he was vacationing in Italy in in, uh, August of 2016 show that Corsi emailed uh, Roger Stone and told him, quote, word is friend in embassy, referring to WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, plans two more dumps, one shortly after I'm back, second in October, impact plan to be very damaging. But now he's coming out and saying, oh, I knew that these leaks were going to happen because God told me. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I pray and learn this type of information as well. God. But they're shameless. That That's what it comes down to. Yeah. They don't give oh, a yeah. shit. Well, they're fucking just digging themselves into a deeper hole. I mean, what else are they going to say? <laughs> God told me. <laughs> what other excuse can they come up with? They could just that- confess and just end it all right now. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> keep, keep hoping for that. <laughs> ah, that's what keeps me going, man. Hope springs eternal. 
Okay, on to some other news now, a little bit lighter. Starbucks has announced that next year it will start blocking porn on its free Wi-Fi, following in the footsteps of McDonald's, which did the same back in 2016. I didn't know this. Up until now, Starbucks was hesitant to implement content blockers because basically all of them accidentally blocked sites that aren't intended to be blocked. And Starbucks values giving their customers access to the whole web. But now Starbucks says it's found a content blocker that's really good about only blocking porn. So they're going to start blocking it. A group called Enough is Enough has been pressuring Starbucks to block access to porn for years. They say Starbucks has been failing to protect its customers and follow through with its plan to block explicit content. Um, Starbucks, in a statement to The Verge, said that it rarely occurs. But I find that completely unlikely. <laughs> There's, <laughs> there must be people every day at every Starbucks looking at porn. There's a lot of sad people at Starbucks. And uh, I think for a lot of people, it might be their only way to get the internet. Maybe they don't have the internet at home. Mm-hmm. But has anybody here ever seen anybody on porn at Starbucks? <laughs> no, but I used to work for... Uh, a technology company uh, in which I was a repair technician and I saw so many dicks (laughs) (laughs) and people are just shameless about that shit. They don't care. I've definitely seen people on porn sites in Starbucks and other coffee shops. And I'm just like, what are you doing? That's so a lot of people go to Starbucks and they set up camp there for hours and they'll just be in a corner, you know, maybe working but sometimes you get a glimpse of people's screens and <laughs> you can see they're just wasting time on board it's it's funny you mentioned that laura about uh being a repair technician so my imac went uh broke earlier this week and i brought it into um a repair shop and i pray that they don't look in the downloads folder because they're going to find a lot of porn you know, and even pat brought that up to me as somebody who was formerly in that line of work, th- that kind of stuff doesn't phase anybody because you're like, you kind of expect for personal shit to be in the downloads folder, right? It's when somebody comes to you and they're like, oh, yeah, my camera on my phone isn't working. Can you please help me? And you're like, cool. Is it okay if I go into your camera roll? And see what's up. And they say yes, and you do. And the first thing you see is like a red, angry dickhead staring oh, back at you. That's gross. Why do you have to say red? Because it was. <laughs> but now we have that image in our head. <laughs> yeah, well, I had to share. But then but then here's the kicker is that I kind of like was like, oh, <laughs> and like put the phone down, and the guy just like smiled like he had this like weird smile like yeah that's my equivalent of like a new age flasher right (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm like you you... mentioned that we're we're gonna talk about that what flashers we're we're gonna talk about yeah we're gonna talk about digital flashers next week there's some laws to to try to make that illegal really amazing Mm -hmm. yeah interesting because now with Apple devices, you can airdrop to like anybody near you if you have that <laughs> setting on. So people will airdrop dick pics. But we'll talk oh about that. Oh my next god, week. that's, that's so weird. Here's my yeah. thing: like, if you're gonna do that, it, like, if your dick doesn't look good, like, don't do it. You know? What? Oh yeah, that's <laughs> but my define good looking. One time dick. to me, yeah, you know, that's to that's us objective law. Here we don't want a redheaded dick, but you know, apparently <laughs> that guy thought having a redheaded dick well, was like the bee's knees. <laughs> Maybe. Did you Maybe know, you know, like the feedback. others folder in Facebook Messenger. The first time I ever discovered that, there were a lot of dick pics in there. And Ooh. my whole thing is like, if you're going to solicit your dick out to people that don't know you, like, don't I deserve, you know, a nice background and not like your dick hovering over a toilet? Oh, God. Oh. That is the worst. Thank you for saying that. I hate when guys do that. The best yeah, like, is when they. I don't know. <laughs> Is when they provide something for scale alongside it. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't do that in front of a toilet. <laughs> Check out how my dick compares to this Pepsi can, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. 
So anyway. uh, I guess, well, I usually edit Millennial at Starbucks. I guess I'm going to have to check out some porn sites just to test it out and just say farewell to the accessibility when I'm in there this week editing Millennial. You know what I also hate at Starbucks? When people bring computer monitors to the coffee shop as well. So like, okay, bring a laptop. Of course, we all do that. But some people will also bring an external display and just set up camp at a table. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? That is so obnoxious. And now this policy at Starbucks where anybody can go in and hang out, whether or not you're a customer. It's like, uh, it's the Wild West at Starbucks these days. (laughs) No porn, though. Yeah, nope. Right. Yeah. Maybe that'll cut back on all the people camping out. Yeah. <laughs> like, God. man, I can't watch porn at Starbucks anymore. Yeah. Gonna have to bring my external display to uh, Burger King now. <laughs> Get that high definition. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, our second sponsor this week is one who can inspire and relax you. Audible. You clearly enjoy listening to spoken word entertainment because that's what you're doing right now. And listening to audiobooks is just as easy and entertaining as listening to podcasts can be. Plus, it's a time of year where everyone is thinking about thoughtful gifts. Instead of thinking about what you're going to get for others, how about you take a minute to think about yourself? You deserve some hashtag self-care, and Audible has a brand new offer that is perfect for giving yourself some much-needed, relaxing entertainment. I'm going to tell you about that deal in a moment, but let me tell you about Audible. Audible gives you access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including all the bestsellers out there, like Michelle Obama's Becoming. Did you know this book is actually narrated by Michelle herself? It's like getting a Michelle Obama podcast, one in which she opens up about her life story. The book is getting rave reviews, and I'm planning on listening to it during my drive home over the holidays. In fact, I love when the author of a book narrates it, too. Bruce Springsteen did this as well. It shows that they're proud of their story. Narrating an audiobook is a huge time commitment, but they still want their words brought to life using their own voice. I admire that so much. It's so cool listening to the author bring their book to life. So here's a special deal. For a limited time, you can get three months of Audible for just $6.95 a month. That's more than half off the regular price. Your subscription gives you access to one audiobook and two Audible originals every month. If you don't like a book, you can exchange it for another book, no problem. Your books will stay in sync across your devices. You can even share books with your friends and family. And every book you get is yours to keep forever. This isn't a rental service. Once you get the book with your subscription, you own it forever. So go to audible.com slash M-I-L-L or text M-I-L-L to 500-500 to get started. It's so easy. Again, go to audible.com slash M-I-L-L or text M-I-L-L to 500-500 to get started and grab Michelle Obama's Becoming. Listen to Michelle herself read her best-selling book. Thank you, Audible. All right. Well, what else is going on, Pam? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. A Chinese scientist whose name I'm going to butcher right now. His name is He Jian Kui, maybe. Sorry if I... You know, I got that totally wrong. Anyway, he's reported that he's created the world's first designer babies, which are gene edited babies. And uh, people are up in arms about this. And we're going to get into that in a minute. Uh, But basically, what this associate professor at Southern University of Science and Technology is claiming is that he used the gene editing technology CRISPR to tweak the DNA of human embryos during in vitro fertilization. And uh, this resulted in the birth of twin girls several weeks ago. So basically, what he's saying that he did was that he removed a gene called CCR5, so that the girls will be resistant to HIV and AIDS. And, um, you know, the thing about this, too, is that it's not really been confirmed yet. He basically just made the announcement that he did it on YouTube. (laughs) There's no scientific publications that have happened since then. So, The jury's kind of still out over whether or not this actually worked, but there are a lot of issues that are brought up with all of this. Uh, Specifically, well, like one of the big ones is basically that despite the fact that he might have removed this gene, it doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't cause some kind of weird domino effect, meaning that these girls will have a mutation in the long run that could be even more harmful or could be potentially passed down to their uh, kids later on. And uh, we basically just don't have enough information as to how this could potentially affect 
the human race as a whole. Uh, God forbid they this is successful, and then they contact something that's a completely different mutation that ends up just infecting, you know, a large group of people. So uh, that's a big one, too. And um, the second worry is basically that this is going to work too well, and people are just going to want to have designer babies left and right. And, you know, it's one thing to request that your kid have blue eyes. But what if people start requesting that their child be like, more attractive, better, faster, stronger, you know, an eight inch red cock. Exactly. (laughs) Angry red cock. (laughs) A Laura approved cock. Not that one. That was the best dick pics. That's going to be in the gene mutation. (laughs) So I have a question. Um, Yes. How do they test this HIV AIDS resistance? Like, how do we know? See, that's a good, that's a very good question because up until this point, they've only been testing this on lab mice, basically. So there's really no way to tell uh, either way because either you have to infect these poor children with the virus, which could be a death sentence, or you just wait to see if they contact AIDS and it could be never if they practice safe sex. So this is, you know, I I normally don't invoke God, but here I will. Let God do his work in terms of creating children. We don't need this in our world where people can pick and choose what their child, eventually adult, is going to look like. It's it's not right. Yeah. What do you think? Well, what do you guys all think about this potentially being used for good, though, because, you know, if it is done correctly and successfully, it could also mean that we could get rid of diseases, not necessarily just HIV and AIDS, but like, you know, you could drastically reduce the number of babies who are born with Down syndrome or MS or other genetic disorders that, you know, could potentially lead for a better life for that person. I think the issue is going to be, you know, it's nice the benefits are obviously would be very great to eliminate a lot of these genetic disorders. But my question is going to always be how much access, how accessible is that service going to be? Like it would, you know, we have all, we, we already have all this great medicine, but not everybody and not even a majority of people have the access to this, to these services. So is, are these benefits going to be uh, given to the parents and the future children of everybody, or is it going to be for the super wealthy? That's a really good point because you're right. Even something like in vitro fertilization is a super expensive procedure. That's not covered by your insurance. And, you know, um, it's already something that's not available to the masses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So who's to say that this is the same case, I guess, Money can buy you everything, even designer children, if this goes through. Yeah, it it just seems like a double-edged sword to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the benefits that you laid out are certainly uh, worth trying to pursue. But on the other hand, I could see this really spinning out of control. <clears throat> yeah. So. Yeah. For me, it would have to be like there would have to be some really serious ethics laws um, past surrounding this to say that this kind of research could only be done to sort of eliminate a lot of uh, genetic disorders that sort of plague our population now and that it can't be used for aesthetic reasons. Because I, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, we have some questions here asking like, hey, shouldn't a parent be allowed to decide if their child has blue eyes? No, actually, I I think that's silly and frivolous, and that definitely could lead to a slippery slope effect. So no, yeah. I don't think that should be allowed. Yeah. You and pick- you know there would be a black market yeah. where this oh, stuff would go on. Oh, absolutely. Children are family, not furniture. Yep. <laughs> right. Right. You should love your children regardless of whether they look like you or whether they look like their father or the, you know, in-law you don't like because they're a part of you. <laughs> right. I'm so glad my uh, 
sister's kid. He's what? Eight months old now? Almost eight months old. He's a very cute baby. And I even said to my sister, I'm so glad I don't have to lie to you about the cuteness <laughs> of Trey. He's genuinely cute. Some are you babies... sure or are you looking at him through the eyes of a loving uncle? No, no. Trust me. I I, uh, I don't have any bias in this. <laughs> I look at him and I just say he's objectively cute. Right. And it's just such a relief because, you know, some babies you see and you're just like. <sighs> but all babies are a gift. That's. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. I mean, I'm sure some parents would say some babies are not the gift. That's true. Mistakenly uh, conceived. I definitely don't think so when I go out holiday shopping and see children throwing temper tantrums in aisles. Yeah, right. I understand. Well, we're going to do devil's advocate with this in a moment. But first... So, do any of y'all have people in your life who are hard to shop for? Yes. Yes. Yeah, me too. I've got one or two people in my life who I'm usually putting off shopping for Christmas presents until the last minute because I have absolutely no idea what they'd want or need. This brings us to our next sponsor, Homesick Candles. These candles are a great way to give a unique, personalized gift to your loved ones. The reason for that is that Homesick Candles provides a wide range of candles that represent the familiar smells of all 50 states, numerous cities, holidays, college towns, and other countries even. I'm absolutely in love with the Atlanta candle, which smells like magnolias and gives me nostalgia, even though I'm right here inside the perimeter. These are a great holiday gift idea because they'll allow you to build on that emotional bond with your friends and family. Pam, you got a couple of homesick candles. Which scent is your favorite? Oh my gosh. Right now I'm obsessed with the homesick holiday candle. It's perfect because we're officially in December and it just smells like everything you would want your house to smell like at Christmas time. There's a lot of cinnamon and clove and just yummy holiday goodness in there. And it just really warms up the scent of the house. It's so great. Mm, That sounds magical. Um, If you're looking for stocking stuffers, you should look no further than the mini candles. These limited edition candles are available in Holiday, New Jersey, New York City, Beach Cottage, Texas, Northern California, Southern California, Florida, Michigan, Washington, Arizona, Colorado, New Home, and Love. And now, just for the holidays, you'll get an amazing discount when you buy three or more of the minis. Right now, our listeners who go to homesick.com and use promo code M-I-L-L will receive 10% off any order over $60 and get free shipping. This is a great deal, but it expires at the end of December, and the most popular state and city candles won't last long, so don't wait. Just visit homesick.com now using promo code M-I-L-L and find a personal gift for your whole list today. Couple comments from people listening live right now. Sarah says one of the baristas I used to supervise was watching lesbian porn on her phone during her 15 minute break while I had a minor on the clock. We had to report her to the manager. Who watches Why? porn during a 15 minute? Well, who watches <laughs> oh. porn during a 15 minute break? That's that's you have 15 minutes off from work, and that's how you decide to spend your time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> And uh, Carolyn says, getting back to our discussion with Jared earlier, he sa- she said, that was so fascinating to listen to. Please post more information and such, if possible. Yeah. So, Jared, maybe if you can share some links that people can uh, click on for further reading. Yeah, ab- we'd appreciate absolutely. The, uh, the funny thing about probation is that it's... Uh, so, in North Carolina, it's called the Department of Community Corrections, DCC, but the affectionate name inside the department is the Department of Constant Change, because they're always changing policy and case law, and uh, it's all very fascinating. I'm more than happy to share a few links in, uh, in the group uh, as, okay, as I go. Thanks, everybody who's listening live at patreon.com slash millennial right now. All right, so Devil's Advocate designer baby edition (laughs) we are all going to argue either for or against whether or not designer babies should be a thing and it would be especially interesting if everybody picked the opposite view of what they truly believe so (laughs) get your arguments ready folks jared let's put you in the hot seat first can you 
play devil's advocate for a minute? Oh, we're going to find out. <laughs> okay. And what position are you going to take? Um, so I personally am not for it, so I guess I will argue for it. Whenever you're ready, I'll, I'll time you. So I am in favor of genetic editing of babies for many reasons, one of which is I want all of my babies to look exactly like me. I want an <laughs> army of little me's. <laughs> As we're going through the store, I want everyone to know whose kids those are and that they came from this guy. Also, <laughs> I want the option. I need the option to give my kids superpowers. We are talking genetic mutations. There's no reason that my kids should not have the ability to climb walls and spin webs from their hands. It is time for superhero babies. Stanley has left us. So it is our responsibility with this technology to, in his memory, create a new generation of marvel themed babies for those marvel parties and the watch parties for the coming marvel movies that was pretty good <laughs> i was thinking of donald trump when you were talking about my babies need to look like me. he would definitely say that <laughs> i am so beautiful my family members need to look like me yes uh that's actually the opposite of how i actually feel because i honestly they need to look like sam i've got a schnoz out here that i'm afraid it's gonna poke somebody in the eye one day wow listen to this guy that comment's gonna get you late tonight (laughs) (laughs) Uh, trump would also like this because like you could probably keep somebody's hair golden for their entire lifespan Uh. so he doesn't need to color it all right laura how about you go next okay I'm going to argue in favor of it because I'm obviously against it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So um, as I have discussed numerous times on the show, I don't want children. However, since we're living in this uh, sort of dystopic GOP future, it's very possible that I might be forced to have one. So if you're going to make me, (laughs) if you're going to make me have a child, I think I have the right to decide what it's going to look like and what abilities it has. Like, I think having a child that could shoot lasers from its eyes would be pretty cool. Um, also, I think Mark would be super into having a child that was modular so that when something breaks, like, you know, say a kid has a heart defect, well, boom, you just pull that shit out and put in a new one. It's just like oh a PlayStation, God. just home at home repair with your child. Um, also, I would want it to be able to uh, know exactly what I was thinking. So I didn't have to spend my precious time and energy trying to discipline it. It would be cool <laughs> if we just had like this ESP connection so that I could think, don't fucking do that. And the child's like, all right, I'm not going to fucking do that. Um, Time's and up. then, okay. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I wish I had that ESP shit with my cats. They don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> they never do. And they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll do a minute of this now so um i would really like to do this for my children because i'm always thinking about how to make money and if i were to make some beautiful babies they could become instagram stars and then they can become influencers and shill lots of products that we all definitely don't need um and then because of their good looks, they could get lots of likes on Instagram, on Facebook, etc., and be making money that way for their entire life. And I would hope to have them be created in a way that they would be beautiful even through the age of 100. So just 100 years of getting likes on social media. Plus, it's very unfair that we can't choose what our children look like. These are our children, after all. We're going to be stuck with them. We can decide <laughs> how our phones look, how our watches look, how, how we look with clothes. Why not uh, decide how the rest of us looks physically? You would create an army of children <laughs> as like a revenue stream. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody's, you know, always talking about how children are so expensive. So I'm trying to solve that problem. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're going to earn their keep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, earn your fucking keep, you brat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in After Dark today, we have some fun topics. Um, by the way, last week's After Dark was really fun as well. Um Laura was talking about all the illegal activities that she's been up to. It's just the type of thing that we have to put behind a paywall, and that's one of the benefits of After Dark. We get a little more honest and open over there. Mm-hmm. 
Jared, please don't report me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to have to come down there and put a warrant, you know, get some cuffs out. Oh, no. (laughs) Speaking of money, we're going to be talking about side hustles and what side hustles our listeners have. I actually just started a side hustle a couple months ago, and I haven't spoken about it on the podcast yet. I really need to do that. So this will be a good opportunity to finally start talking about it. And uh, we're also going to talk about some recent pop culture stories. Like I said, we're going to bring the old hype podcast into millennial millennials after dark here so we have some interesting stories to talk about including daredevil ariana grande's thank you next video and a radio station in ohio that has decided to stop playing baby it's cold outside jared thanks for joining us today it's been fun having you yeah this has been awesome good good i'm glad you enjoyed yourself of course you're going to be on after dark too at patreon.com slash millennial and you support us over there so thank you very much we appreciate that from day one love you guys couple of plugs for our listeners. We'd love a, a review on iTunes if you have the time or wherever you listen to the podcast. It's always good to get some fresh starred reviews or written reviews in the podcast directories. So if you could take a minute to do that, we would really appreciate it. You can also visit millennialshow.com to get access to our complete episode archive. You can also contact us that way. We have a contact form there. Or you can reach out to us via email directly, millennialshow at gmail.com. Or uh, follow us on social media, twitter.com slash millennial show and facebook.com slash millennial show. Plus on the website, there's a link to our Facebook group. So there's a lot of activity going on there. Everybody can throw posts in there, ask for advice, etc., etc. It's a nice community. That, if you want to just type it into your browser manually, it's facebook.com slash groups slash millennial show. It's a private group. We have to give you access so you just answer a couple questions to prove you're not a bot, and then you'll be in. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. I'm Jared. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. I fall for